The boat is ready. You have a great friend that's ready to sneak you out of prison. The guard? Dude's paid off. The destination of exile? It's chosen. No time to lose, Socrates. Grab your stuff and let's go. We only got a few minutes. My apologies, Crito. Escaping? would be immoral, negating everything I have done up until this point. I'm going to stay to choose a righteous death over an unjust evil. Let's go visit Socrates in prison. Maybe you got lost somewhere, swimming too far off the beach. Hello everyone, welcome to The Cause. My name is Rob, and today we're going to be going over the second book in the second volume of the Harvard Classic series, Crito by Phaedo. I just wanted to hop in here and correct that real quick. It's not Phaedo, it's Plato. Sorry about that. Continue on. Uh, it's a remarkable book. It's relatively short. You could probably read it in like 30 minutes or so, maybe 40. I'm a slower reader, so, you know, 45 minutes. So with that being said, let's set up the scene real quick, and then we'll dive into the story. In the last video, we discussed the Apology, which was basically the trial of Socrates. Now, in this book, Credo, we're in the prison cell where Socrates is being held, and in the beginning of the book, we're waiting on a ship coming from Delos. Now, you might wonder why we're waiting on a boat. The Athenians would send this ship to Delos to basically celebrate the Athenian hero Theseus's victory over the Minotaur, which was the offspring of a woman and beast, and it ate humans to survive, all in the honor of the god Apollo. And this kind of made me laugh once I kind of looked into it more, because, like, everybody's thinking that Socrates is the crazy one. And then you... You read what he's waiting on, I don't know, it's just, it's the irony that gets me. But anyway, during this period, no prisoners could be executed. They didn't want to taint the period with any executions or anything like that during this little celebration. So, Socrates is waiting. We don't really know how long. It says a while, maybe a month or so. Um, so Socrates is just in there, just hanging out until it's finally his time to die. So that's where the story kind of begins. So let's dive into that story. So Crito is, or was, a student of Socrates. And he comes to see Socrates. And he's friends with the prison guard, so he gets in pretty easy. And he's just watching Socrates sleep. Finally, Socrates wakes up and he's like, you're over here just watching me sleep. Why didn't you wake me up? He's like, man, you were sleeping good. And now Credo, he's there on a mission. Again, like we said, it's hinted in the book that he's friends with the prison guard. So we done check that box, okay? We're about to bust Socrates out of prison and get him into exile. So Socrates wakes up and he's, you know, finds Credo sitting there. And Credo begins to state his case, you know, tell him all what he's trying to do. And he tells Socrates that he wants Socrates out of prison, not just because he's a good friend, not just because he's like his teacher and everything like that. Like that, but because he's afraid of what his friends will think if they find out that he had the resources, uh, the, the, the monetary resources, to help get Socrates out, but he didn't. And he doesn't want people thinking bad about him that he left a friend behind. At this point, Crito says, I should be thought to value money more than the life of a friend. So he's worried about what his friends are going to think about him. He says, For the many will not be persuaded that I wanted you to escape, and you refused. So get your stuff, get on your feet, and let's go. And Socrates comes back with a line that I think is kind of current to the times. He said, But why, dear Crito, would you care about the opinions of the many? And Crito makes a, a very valid argument back. He says, Look what the many has done to you. They imprisoned you. They silenced you. They canceled you. They're about to kill you. And I guess if you value living amongst such people then, you know, maybe it would be important to you. But Socrates does not seem to care. Crito goes into a bunch of other reasons why he should leave. And one, I really agreed with him as well. But before we get into that one, it's clear by the court's decision and kind of any other books leading up around uh, Crito that the court 
in Athens, I don't think really cared if Socrates left. So if Socrates was to escape right now, to me, I don't feel that they would be going after him. I don't really think they cared. I think they just wanted him gone. I think they wanted him canceled, basically. I, I think they wanted him to just leave this area. If it's through death, great. If you're in two countries over, perfect. We just don't want you here. Now, the argument that I stood by Crito with was the one about Socrates' children and his family. And he's like, well, if you choose to stay here and you die, who, who's going to take care of your kids? You got young children, dude. And by Socrates sticking to his guns and, you know, going ahead and going through with this, you know, basically sacrifice that he's going to be making, he's going to be leaving his children in the hands of the same people who made all these accusations against him. Doesn't seem like a very safe place to leave your children. And as a father, I kind of, when I initially read this, I viewed it as a weakness in Socrates. Is he too old or is he too feeble to kind of care for them? I mean, he's 70 plus years old. And then Crito really just solidifies what I was thinking at this point with this with this passage here. He says, I should say that you are betraying your children for you might bring them up and educate them instead of which you go away and leave them basically to the fate of orphans he says no man should bring children in the world who is unwilling to preserve to the end in their nurture and education at this point credo is really calling socrates out saying it's his duty as a man to take care of his children and again, like I said, at this point, I'm on Crito's side. I'm like, yes, how can you argue against that? I mean, come on, Socrates, get on the dang boat and go in exile, dude. Take your family with you, you know? And then Socrates replies back very respectfully. First, he answers the argument of caring about the opinions of the many. And he creates a good rebuttal here about using the wise as having good opinions and the unwise as having evil opinions. Which one are you going to listen to? You're going to listen to the wise opinion. So by default, you're not listening to like 50% of the opinions out there. You don't care because they're, they're not going to be in your best interest. He then narrows that argument down into specialty. If you have an issue with a horse, you might want to talk to a horse trainer instead of getting on Facebook. If you have a football team and you're a player and you want to know what the next play is you probably should be making, you want the opinions of the coach. You don't want the opinions of the fans. So he tells Crito to only care about the opinions of the people that are very experienced and wise and just in those opinions. All the other ones who really cares about? The rest are just the opinions of the uneducated mob. So in short, you should only listen to people who know the difference between what is just and what is unjust. If you're listening to people who are steering you in the wrong direction, then you shouldn't even be taking anything they have to say into consideration. It's going to harm you. Socrates then goes on to answer the question about his character with his children and family and leaving them behind, which kind of poked in my ego a little bit, and I'll read that one to you. He said, The other considerations, which you mentioned, of money and loss of character and the duty of educating children are, I fear, only the doctrines of the multitude, who would be as ready to call people to life, if they were able, as they are to put them to death, and with as little reason. And it made me think, dang, am I the indoctrinated multitude? Had to sit back and ponder on that one for a little bit. Now, there have been some very successful orphans that have, you know, went on to do some amazing things. Alexander Hamilton, John Hancock, Tolkien, even Malcolm X later in life. Two of them would die from bullets, but, you know, still was successful. So is Socrates, a 70-year-old man, really needed to help raise his children? He seems to have a very good friend network. Now, there's about to be a few people in his prison cell listening to his last words. 
words and and wanting to learn from him. So will his children not be taken care of? Credo at this point is willing to pay money to get him on a boat to get him out of there. So at that point, Socrates kind of just waves the character argument off, and he really doesn't consider much of it. He then brings up a great point that I feel is really hard for most of us to live by. He basically says, the severity of the response of the action should not determine whether you follow the just path. Think about that one. If by choosing the just path, you only choose it based on the significance of the consequences, then you lack courage. You lack virtue. He's willing to either pay a small fine or he's willing to pay his life by choosing to follow the just path that he believes in. At this point, the story kind of shifts into a new environment, which uh, we'll kind of discuss a little bit. The last argument Socrates makes to justify his decisions not to leave and go into exile is based on what I kind of read in to be Rousseau's The Social Contract Theory. He says if he has to obey his parents, and it's your duty to obey your parents, and it's the duty of the parents to obey the state, then it's his duty to also obey the state or the government. He says we must do what our country orders us, or we have to change the view of what is just. I love that. We have to do what our country orders us, or we have to change what is viewed as just. And now this is where the social contract theory kind of comes in, kind of from Rousseau. Socrates says, once you come of age, you have a decision to make. You can stay in the country that educated you and become a citizen and support it. You can change the views of it, or you can leave. If you choose to stay, then he says this, but he who has experience of the manner in which we order justice and administer the state and still remains has entered into an implied contract that he will do as we command him. There are kind of like three wrongs or three arguments. One is if you disobey the state, then you disobey your parents. Two is because the state kind of was the author of your education, then you're going against your education. And three, because he has made an agreement with the state, you're breaking that agreement that you made with the state when you decided to stay. And when reading that part about obeying parents, uh, Euphoro is not in the Harvard Classic series, but if you read the first book of the Five Dialogues, Euphoro, Socrates is going back and forth with a man who is basically bringing his father to trial for killing someone. The entire argument is where Euphoro is doing right by bringing his parent, his, his dad, to court for killing a man. So it's the betrayal of the parent or the obedience to the state. And I will say, Euphoro is a very short read too. If anything, just get it on Audible real quick. Listen to it. It's about 20 to 30 minutes too. I would say go ahead and listen to that first. That way you can just have that little bit of knowledge before going into these um, other dialogues. With that being said, Socrates closes with this. I have lived in Athens my entire life. I have kids here. I have a wife here. Surely that means I approve of this place because I haven't found any better and I haven't left to go to any place better. He even served in the military for this place. The court already kind of gave him the chance to go into exile if he wanted to. He doesn't want to leave. So he's choosing death over injustice and dishonor. And the point here is, why would he throw all the good and just things he has done away and run away and do something illegal that he could have done legally before? At this point, Crito's argument starts to fall apart as Socrates solidifies his arguments with reason and justice and stuff like that. It's You realize that Socrates has a mentality, this this brave mentality with, with courage that, gosh, it kind of gets you at the end of the book like, hmm, I was kind of hoping he would run. I was kind of hoping he'd mo go into exile, you know, for his family and stuff like that. But that may be my lack of courage. He follows these arguments up with a strong line. For he who is a corrupter of the laws 
is more than likely to be corrupter of the young and foolish portion of mankind. Will you then flee from well-ordered cities and virtuous men? Think not of life and children first, and of justice afterwards, but of justice first, that you may be justified before the prices of the world below. Socrates' last lines to Credo sound eerily familiar to a man that would live 400 years later. He states, Then let me follow the intimations of the will of God. In my opinion, the story of Credo is the struggle between the individual and the state. Socrates does not believe he has broken any laws, so there's no reason for him to go into exile. And he's not willing to do something illegal to therefore become the unjust one in the story. Sometimes sacrifice can be the most honest and just action that can be done. How you end life matters. Now, I do question his decision to abide by the state because I do feel the state is unjust. And I do part ways from Socrates here because I feel as as an American, I've grown up with that kind of more American attitude of that individualist founding type mindset. With that being said, next we move into Phaedo and we sit with Socrates as he argues for one of the most important concepts of human existence. We then will watch him grab the cup and end the story of Socrates. Honestly, can't wait to see you next week and continue this amazing series. I feel truly blessed to be able to even, you know, read these books and do stuff like this. This channel, The Cause, is sponsored by my coffee company. If you want to taste some amazing coffee while you read some amazing books, then please consider clicking the link in the description and ordering a bag or two. With that being said, stay blessed, drink some good coffee, and I will see you next week. Love y'all. Later. I was making lots of noise, busking on the city streets. I came back from Brooklyn, but you didn't come back for me.